welcome back to another glorious Friday with you tuning in to one of the greatest podcasts that is upcoming, emerging, and hopefully it will be up there with every other podcast and topping them, but we need your help. If you like this episode, this podcast in general, I should say, follow us anywhere, everywhere that you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, Overcast, wherever you play your podcast, follow us if you have it. And it's not limited to one country. Hell, you can listen to us all the way from Germany to the UK to the United States, anywhere you can listen to any podcast. And if you want more people to help us reach that goal to becoming a well-known podcast all over the globe. Share this podcast on social media. Hashtag After Dark Coast Coast Killers. And if you haven't checked out our last episode, we went to Japan and we tried solving the best that we can with what little information we had about a case that was April 2nd and now we are jumping from Japan to Germany to chase a woman without her face this is going to display a viewer's discretion advised we don't know how gruesome this is going to get but just in case so you don't come at me say this isn't fair you didn't warn us I'm warning you now let's go all the way to Hellbron Germany this woman actually has never been found and the only thing that connects her to the crimes that she has committed whether it ranges from murder to robbery is her DNA in Hellbron, she is also referred to the Phantom of Hellbron. She is a hypothesized unknown female serial killer, like I said, whose existence was inferred from DNA evidence found in numerous crime scenes in Austria, France, and Germany from 1993 to 2009. The six murders among these included that of Police Officer Michel Kesswetter in Hellbron, Germany on April 25th, 2007. And as I stated before, they don't know who this killer is or this robber is because she's done anything from murder to robbing places. The only thing that does connect her is the DNA, which as of March 2009 has been recovered from 40 crime scene and in late March 2009 investigators concluded that the phantom criminal did not exist and that the DNA recovered at the crime scenes had already been present on the cotton swabs used for collecting DNA samples. They belonged to a woman though who worked at a factory where they were made. If you don't know any media coverage, I guess, other than news, 
Um, this case has been featured on CSI New York, Satellite Witness, Bull, and Elementary. Let's go with the investigation. Like I said, we don't have much going with this woman. We just know that she may or may not exist. But let's continue to investigate anyhow. An analyst of the DNA from the samples collected in Austria showed that it was most often found among people in Eastern Europe and neighboring Russia. This was not discovered in the German investigations as the analysts of DNA may not be used in criminal proceedings to determine few personal attributes of a suspect other than sex, and her existence was disputed but it's now said to be untrue. The investigations were con- concentrated in a special task force parking lot at the Hellbron Police Department. In January 2009, the rewards for clues regarding the whereabouts of the person was increased to £300,000. If that is correct, I suppose either euro or pounds. Um, the existence of the phantom had been doubted earlier, but in March 2009, the case took a new turn. Investigators discovered the DNA profile on the burned body of a male asylum seeker in France, an anomaly since the profile was a female. They subsequently came to the conclusion that the mystery criminal did not exist and his laboratory results were due to contamination of the cotton buds used for DNA probing. Although sterile, the swabs are now certified for human DNA collection. The cotton swabs used by many state police departments were found to have been contaminated before shipping. They found that the contaminated swabs all came from the same factory, which employs several Eastern Europe women who fit the type who fit the type the DNA was assumed to match. Bavaria, although a region central to the crimes, obtained their swabs from a different factory. They had no reports of crimes committed by the Phantom. This is interesting. I get it why this is so disputable. One, you can say this suspect does exist. You could say that she exists because of the crimes. And the DNA at the crimes were connecting her. Yet, on the other hand, as the issue is police, that's the only thing that is connecting this woman without a face to these crimes. But the only thing that is stopping them from completing a proper investigation is that there was a possibility the content swaps were purposely or not purposely. I'm going to guess purposely at this time, but you know, purposely or not purposely contaminated. And the reason that I do say purposely contaminated, like I said, it could have been entirely accidental, is because 
typically conscious swaps aren't contaminated already. I'm just going to throw that out there. The most obvious fact is cotton swabs aren't typically contaminated. The cotton swabs that were shipped to the state police in each country seem to be contaminated by several people. And that's why I'm thinking it wasn't an accident. But they do have the ideology that this so-called phantom, if she is will, could possibly work in a factory. On guess where cotton swabs are produced. Typically in a factory. Conspiracy there. Anyhow, um, let's go with the associated crime set. This woman without a face is, you know, or had committed, I should say. So once again, this is only connecting through DNA, no other thing is connecting this lady to anything else besides the DNA. The DNA was found on a cup after the killing of a 62-year-old woman on May 25th and 26th in 1993 in Idar Oberstein, Germany. This DNA was analyzed in 2001. Another DNA was found on a kitchen counter after the killing of 61-year-old man on March 21st, 2001 in Freiburg, Germany. On a syringe containing heroin in October 2001 in a wooded area near Jolstein, Germany. On the leftovers of a cookie in a trailer that was forcefully opened on the night of October 24th, 2001 in Buddenham, Germany. On a toy pistol after the 2004 robbery of Vietnamese gemstone traders in Arbois, France. On a projectile after a fight between two brothers on May 6, 2005 in Worms, Germany. On a stone used for smashing a window after a burglary on October 3, 2006 in Saarbrücken, Germany. And this DNA was discovered and analyzed only in 2008. Now after a March 2000 Seven burglary at the uh, optometrist. I'm pretty sure I butchered that, but anyhow, store and Glendrick in Upper Australia. And after 20 bur- or robberies and thefts of cars and motorbikes between 2003 and 2007, and Hesse, Baden Wurttemberg, uh, and Saarland, Germany, Tyrol, Austria, and Upper Austria. On a car, he transported the bodies of three Georgians killed on January 30th, 2008 in Heppenheim, Germany. And this was analyzed March 2008 after a robbery on the night of March 22nd, 2008 in a disused public swimming pool in Niederstetten, or Niederstetten, Germany. After four cases of home invasion in Quarshide, Tolly, and Royal Germany, 
in March and April 2008 after an apartment break in, in Opsteinfeld, Gronial, and I don't know how to pronounce that last part, during the night of April 9, 2008, another robbery of a woman on May 9, 2008, and saw back and in the car of an auxiliary nurse who was found dead at the end of October 2008 near Swansburg, Germany. That's a long list, and like I said, these are the DNA associated with this phantom woman. Now I'm going to point something out if you haven't already thought about it. If you have, I'm just going to say it. Some of these seem pretty intentional. Like the heroin syringe. But it's not as specific as, you know, was the heroin syringe also found with other DNA? Or was it just this person's? Because if it was forcibly injected into a person, it was more than a lethal overdose. Or a lethal amount, I should say. And this phantom probably did eject it into someone. Um, it seems like she likes to rob places and kill people. And leave the crime scene and live her life because she knows she can't be caught. Which is smart. And it also does seem like that after she choose some houses and kill if there's anyone home, she likes to eat cookies and touch cups and stuff. Um, the one thing that does kind of stand out and I don't know why it stands out as unusual is the toy pistol. Or not the toy pistol, projectile. Because it seemed the way that I was reading it, maybe to you guys at the projectile, that the DNA was found from May 6, 2005 in Worms, Germany. Um, seemed to have actually occur after a fight between two brothers. Not before, and I could be wrong, could have been during, she could have been like, I'm going to distract these people, kill one of them, maybe scare them off, I don't know. But it just seems odd that it was found possibly after, you know, or she did it after, I should say. But I could be entirely wrong and overthinking it. But like I said, she has a lot of robberies and murders on her hands and she still can be found it kind of it's kind of crazy that they think despite the contaminated cotton swabs that they have a affirmative DNA to this phantom it does seem a little bit odd that they're naming these crimes after, even though they did admit that the cotton swabs that were sent to crime scenes in France, Germany, and Austria were contaminated prior to shipping. And then they're like, oh, this is the DNA associated with her, with the woman without a face. Like I said, 
as a consequence of the severe case of contamination with human DNA in a series of forensic investigations, the International Organization of Standardization ISO published the standard ISO 1838-5 in 2016 to define the requirements for producing consumables free of human DNA. So I guess it wasn't on purpose, it's just whoever originally made the guidelines didn't care about contamination, didn't think about contamination even being possible. So luckily they did catch that eventually and re-updated it. But literally that is all that I found on Wikipedia. Um, let's look a little bit farther. Let's go to theguardian.com. Let's talk about this maybe after I find something. Okay, so let's start out with this article is taking place of the pleasant small town of Bad Krizak uh, astride the river Nye in the rolling farmland of southwestern Germany. Um, since Americans have moved away, the economic blow only partially softened the expansion of local Michelin plant. Um, and it just talks about grape harvest. Let's move forward. Once again, there's no fingerprints, no witnesses, no description, only DNA. I, this is a case that actually has been gnawing on people for years, but it's disturbing. And you can see why it is disturbing after all the things that I've read to you. It has stayed on newspapers in Germany. And it seems like this isn't just a woman that just wants to kill and disappear, become ghost. This is a woman that seems to rob a place, eat a cookie, and leave. According to German newspapers, this phantom or woman without a face is a cop killer. In April 2007, Michelle Keswetter once again was murdered while she was part of a elite drug squad. She was taking a lunch break with a colleague in their BMW patrol car in Hilbron and nearly 100 miles from Bad Krinsic or Kuznak, two people climbed into the back, back seat and shot the officers from behind, killing the woman and uh, seriously injuring her 25-year-old partner. The assailant struck so quickly that the, that the victims had not even drawn their weapons. I'm going to point something out. You have two assailants. They're so fast that you don't have time to draw weapons. One dies, one's injured. Maybe we should start heading into the idea that this woman is not just a woman. 
Yes, she's a woman. What she is a woman seems to be part of something bigger. I don't know any way else to put it. But it just seems that she is something bigger than just a robber and a murderer. If you're able to actually enter a cop car anywhere with cops inside of it, and draw weapons faster than they can draw theirs. One, you're pretty good. Two, you must have some training. Three, what, what is she? She a actual assassin, headman? Is she part of a shady organization? Who knows? As dozens of green uniformed officers um, carrying a smiling portrait of the murder colleague paraded at a funeral, the case shocked and moved the country. It also sparked one of the largest criminal investigations in German history, with results at first puzzled, then stunned. Like I said, the only thing that connects this phantom is the DNA. The DNA that was found with the cops was found on the center console and the rear passenger seat of the BMW. And when the samples were finally fully secured, tested, and compared with Germany's central crime database, nearly three months later, there was an extraordinary match from two quite different murder scenes stretching back a decade and a half. The woman without a face had it seems dark again. And then shortly after that, the newspapers started going crazy again with the Phantom Hell Brown. Um, let's see. Let's see. Anything else? Let's go with the three Georgians part. There's a little bit more information about them. It says most galling of all for the investigators, her DNA signature has continued to turn up at new crime scene sites since Hellbron, most bizarrely perhaps a few months ago, or at this time this was released in 2008, but whenever this happened. Anyhow, um, their latest at the time was found on... Um, or found at the crime scene with three Georgian car dealers were, that were charred from a river near Hepenheim, south of Frankfurt. Two men were jailed for the killing, an Iraqi and a Somali. And the Iraqi suspect battery of Ford forensic officers found traces of the same DNA that links the phantom woman to all the other crime scenes and to the police car and help Ron. But the question obviously is going to continue being asked. How the fuck is she going to all these places? How did her DNA get from this when she didn't actually murder someone? It was actually two people that murdered. Three Georgians. But her crime or her DNA was found at the crime scene. And 
nobody's obviously gonna give answers because they probably don't know who the fuck this woman is either. I'm pretty sure the two suspects were as confused when they were being questioned. I, it sounds like if I was in a situation where I know me and my um, other partner killed three people and we know that we did it and we're being questioned do we know this random woman that just keeps on popping up everywhere and it's going to be no because obviously I and my partner murdered these people not her we don't know what happened to her we don't know who she is we don't know where she's coming from we don't know anything about her more than 100 police and prosecutors and three separate teams across Germany backed by DNA analysts from BKA and Wiesbaden, or pretty much it's uh, Germany's equivalent of the FBI, in short. And by officers in Austria and France are now involved in an increasingly frantic effort to answer those questions. But nowhere is a sense of determination and growing frustration felt more keenly than a large pale yellow building in the center of Bad Kruzak. And I know I keep up pronouncing that word three different ways, but who cares right now? Um, let's see. It seems like in this area, it, it seems like it began for the hunt of the phantom woman. The Phantom of Hell Brawn, if you really want to be more specific, was a teacup that belonged to a 62 year old woman. I hate these ads. Um, 62 year old woman in the nearby town of Eider Oberstein, favored by tourists for the Church of the Rock, perched on the hills outside and by businessmen. Um, okay. I don't know what that was, but anyhow. Um, on May 23rd, 1993, a neighbor had knocked on her door, got no answer, then they phoned the police. When the police came and searched, they had found Leslot Schoenlager dead, strangled by a strand of wire taken from a bouquet of flowers in her sitting room. Like I said, I, I don't think they are acknowledging or even theorizing that this woman does exist but she's part of a bigger picture than just a random woman that goes ghost and appears at crime scene that nobody knows how even crimes that she hasn't committed and if you are that skilled to not break a wire that goes around a bouquet or a bouquet of flowers and the person struggling no matter how the age is you're really really expert at this and this is probably not her first sin or if it is she's been training She's like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna train. I'm gonna train a murder really, really well. I disappear. No ghost. Like, like I said, she might be part of 
underground shady organization that seems to do this type of stuff. That That's really, really clever. Because if you break that wire on a fireball cat the wrong way, it's going to snap. It's any wire that, that's tiny, that thin, it's going to snap if you do it the wrong way. And you have to be really, really good. Definitely if someone's trying to fight you, not to break it. Um, let's see. Once again, they interviewed witnesses. Nobody had seen or heard anything suspicious. The case was forgotten. And eventually, police did figure that since no new DNA had came up after this, she was arrested at some point for a serious, serious crime and eventually it would come back um, as a, you know, oh, this is her, you know, we found her, we found the Phantom of Helbron. But eight years later in 2001, Horn, which worked on this case, I guess, um, prosecutor, I should say, um, says as he thumbs through a cardboard as he's being interviewed um, full of files came a much more alarming match in Freiburg and the south, far southwestern corner of Germany a 61 year old antique stealer was found dead again strangled the DNA at the scene was identical to that of the previous victim Next appeared five months later um, with the heroin syringe. Uh, the needle was soiled and was turned into police by a distraught woman whose son, at the time he was seven years old, was um, playing at a playground, stepped on it in the town of Gerolstein, not far from the border with Belgium. And in the increasingly fraught police efforts to unravel the mystery, since the policewoman was killed in Hellbron, checking the evidence against nearly half a million records held at the PKA and Westbaden, a dizzying mosaic of other DNA matches has emerged, and with it, the beginning of a portrait of the quarry and the company she keeps. After the syringe was found two weeks later, a caravan was burger, uh, robbed on the outskirts man's um, DNA was also taken also found it was the same DNA on New Year's Day 2003 there was breaking at the office in Didensbach and 7 miles outside of Frankfurt her DNA was there too in December 2003 there was a car I'm not going to go over her crimes again analysis are really interesting but in uh the 2005 crime, there was a robbery at a bar. Her DNA was found on two beer bottles and an empty wine glass. And it's like I said, her crimes just continue. Um, and this is where it's interesting, you no know, more information type of thing. On May 6, 2005, um, Traces of her reappeared much closer to Bad Krasnock 
attempted murder in the capital city of Worms. A member of the local Gypsy community turned a 7.65 caliber pistol on his brother and police promptly arrested the gunman only to find that after the forensic checks in West Baden that the mysterious woman's DNA was one of the bullets. Now, like I said, she's part of a organization or she's just really well fucking trained in some way, shape or form. On one bullet, the woman without a face had DNA on it. Just one bullet, not the gun, not the others, just one single bullet. She didn't even murder anyone. She didn't pull a trigger on anyone. The brother did. And yet somehow one bullet has her DNA. That's the only piece, the only part of the gun that has her DNA on it. Um, let's see. There was a toy pistol used in robbery. Oh, let's go back. Once again, there are no witnesses, no evidence. And it's just as mysterious as it can get. Let's see. If she ever gets caught, I don't think anyone would actually believe it, sir. It seems like she's toying with them. It seems like she's highly trained to do a job like this. She's not just highly trained. She's very, very clever on what she does and how she does it. And with the second assailant with the police, it seems more than likely she's not the only person doing this, but it's the only person, one with DNA and two. She's a woman without a face that is still not certain by police to actually be real. Keep that in mind. Despite the DNA from every single one, including the cop car, they still don't believe she exists. Without further ado, without extending this episode, dragging this episode on, if you like this episode, go like anything that we post, produce anything, follow us on anywhere you listen to your podcast, everywhere in the world, and we will be back next week where we talk about uh, a killer from Hanover. See you next time on the After Dark Podcast.